Assalamu alaikum, brother. Peace to the God. Peace. What's going on? Ah, uh, bro. Uh, just trying to make it for a black man in white America. Yes, sir. Understood. Definitely. Uh, we are in the and universe. One hour of black power thinking. The Anchor Podcast. If you don't have Anchor, you should get it. And if you don't have this podcast, you should get it. And hopefully, by the end of it, you'll learn something. <laughs> um, or, or, or we will learn something. Hmm. Interesting thought. And I agree with you 100%. We are not incapable of learning. And we should open our minds to learning no matter how many years we've been on this planet and how many experiences we have. Definitely, brother. Um, how was your week? Well, I think I will elaborate on what you just said <laughs> <clears throat> before I get into that. And, and I think, and the reason why I want to elaborate on that is because I think that regardless of what age we are, um, what we are taught in Islam that the path of Allah is a, is a path of, of, of infinite, and so we learn, and so we learn from the cradle to the grave, and it's only until we think that we have reached a certain apex in our life that we have deviated from the path of Allah. So that means that the path of Allah is a path of knowledge, and mm-hmm. so as we seek knowledge and as we seek understanding of God or Allah, that means that that's an infinite path that we're always on regardless of what age we are in life. Um, and, and, and to bring that to more um, modern day or contemporary day, um, I think I, maybe we've spoken on it in the past, but I'll speak on it again. Um, Michelle Obama uh, has recently wrote a book called um, Evolving. It's called Michelle, Michelle Obama uh, Evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... Um, <laughs> well, after reading the, the book, what I've learned is that um, one of the things that Michelle talked about was that she has realized that she's still evolving, hmm. even where she is in life. Like she was, she talked about where she was as a child and where she wanted to be as an adult, mm-hmm. and then becoming that person as an adult, evolving past the person that she thought that she would become. Mm-hmm. Because she she said she never she never thought that she would be the first lady, wow. and then after being the first lady, she's still evolving. She saw herself as becoming, and her ultimate goal was becoming an successful attorney, and she did that. And then after becoming a successful attorney, realizing that that's not really what she wanted to do, and then becoming first lady, realizing that's not something in politics was something that she didn't really like to do. And so now, even after her husband no longer being president, but she's still evolving in the path of who she wants to be in life and who life has for her to be. And Mm so going into what you were just saying, opening up this podcast, is that we, as, as we're growing, or if we are growing, we're always evolving. Anything on a lying on a perpendicular for too long or anything lying on his back for too long is dead. So if we're not, if we're not growing, if we're not evolving, 
then we die. Indeed, indeed. Um, hopefully, I am uh, still evolving. I have to keep checking my posts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. I, I, I definitely know that you are. The fact that we're constantly having conversations weekly speaks volumes to you, you evolving. Speaks volumes to me evolving. Um, I was able to listen to some of the podcasts that you and I um, had last week, and in me listening to it again, what I I I, I thought at the end of the podcast, I didn't know where I thought that we were going wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because you you were saying something and I was saying something, but at some point it seemed like we were saying something different, right? But when I but when I listened back at it, I was like, wow, I I I, I didn't <laughs> know where it went wrong. And I think it went wrong for me is I think I um, only heard certain parts of what you were saying. Right. Right. But I was missing the early part of what you said. So for the listening audience, I want to say that a lot of what I was saying was not um, directed to Brother Douglas. It was directed to the audience. So when I was saying things like um, uh, um, if two people are agreeing that one person isn't listening. I, I wasn't talking about him, but yeah. I was talking to the audience and I was trying to say to the audience that, look, when you're in a room and, and, and you know, everybody's agreeable, then you need to look at what the conversation is about and why everybody is agreeing. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, but I think it came across as like me attacking you. Right. And so when I listened back to it, I was like, "Wow, that's that's not what I wanted. <laughs> that's not what I wanted to come across, you know." And, but it was it it seemed like that's what happened. And you know, I know that you know we we it's late night, so we have some drinks, you know, just <laughs> to kind of take the edge off the real serious conversation. Yes, sir. So sometimes it goes there. Right. Yeah. So, um, but that was on my heart, and so I really wanted to, um, you know, just talk about it, or at least bring it up um, as we get into this next section. Yes, sir. Um, speaking of drinks, <laughs> I had a few tonight, and that's why I was late with the podcast. <clears throat> My internal clock woke me up at 2.45 a.m. Mm. It is now 3.22 a.m. in DFN Universe, and we are stuck on the theme of um, black um, black power thinking and um, that's where we want to um, make this podcast unique Um, I don't know if it's the most popular thing to do um, but it is certainly warranted given all of these situations that we find ourselves in as black people Um, we want to ground that black power thinking in some um, uh, lending that type of thinking to um, some form of um, psychology as a background, as a reference point, um, which is the reason that um, you are so important to this podcast, brother. So anything that you think of or any dialogue that we have, 
I have to always remember and apologize too that you have to speak in terms of uh, your uh, education and that background. So when you do question things, I, I do understand that um, that is the way that a person with some type of um, uh, academic uh, understanding of psychology is supposed to speak. Those are the, that's the vocabulary to be careful with the things we say and to be careful and question everything. So um, it has its merit and it has its place in this podcast. Um, If the audience understands that, we can um, have a meeting of the minds, which is what we hope to do every Friday and Saturday at 3 a.m. Yeah, bro, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, um, I don't even know if I do it intentionally, but I think that I have been, um, I think that I have been programmed uh, a certain <laughs> yes, way sir. academically to challenge yes, um, uh, any thought process or to challenge any information right. um, um, academically because that's what I have always been charged with. Right. right. So that means that you can't bring a topic to the table with with it out with it not being academically sound. Mm. So if you if I mean there's one thing to have an opinion, right? That's that's one thing, but we can't have an academic or a scholarship conversation if you don't have anything to substantiate what you're saying. That is and, and 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 I think that's not not where you and I go wrong, but I think um, depending on who I'm having a conversation with goes wrong. Um, I know outside of my conversations with you, you know, in my real life, in my, my real world, um, outside of my academic world, mm-hmm. people will always be like, nigga, I ain't got to prove nothing. <laughs> you know, or what? That's because I say it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I understand that coming from where I grew up, but I don't understand that in scholarship world. I don't understand that in academia, yes, right? Ma'am. And so if you're having a conversation with me, right, and it's based on like me and my barber, right? I, you know, he's <laughs> a cowboy fan like you. Mm-hmm. And if we're just talking sports, <laughs> you know, I try not to get too serious because I understand, <laughs> hey, you know, this is the barbershop. But sometimes the barbershop talk goes into politics, goes into a whole lot of other things. But the source of the information is what's limited. Mm. So to me, it, it I have to limit how much I'm going to engage or how I engage in the conversation based on their their level of information, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, for example, and I won't get into detail, there was a conversation that that, that was happening in the barbershop prior to Joe Biden being elected. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things in the barbershop was they were constantly bringing up Kamala Harris and her being, um, uh, what was she, what was her position prior to um, being vice president? She was the- Senator? No, she wasn't the senator. She was the, oh my God. um, State's attorney. She was she was a state prosecutor, mm-hmm. right in in California, 
Mm-hmm. And so people were, were upset with her because um, they said that she locked up a lot of black men and no black men should vote for her. And then people were upset with Joe Biden because they said that he was responsible for the 19, the early 1990s crime bill that incarcerated a lot of black men. And I get that, but that is so limited, you know, in scope and understanding in terms of if someone told you that and you ran with that mm-hmm. and said, oh, this is why I'm not voting for this person, or this is why I'm not voting for that person, or this is why I'm not voting, period. It is so limiting, you know, in scope, right? To, you know, because if that's all you know, then it's hard for me to have an intellectual conversation with you, or not with you, Brother Douglas, but just with a person, you know, about that, right? So, you know, I know earlier, and, and I, it might seem that we kind of bouncing around, but maybe we are. But I know um, earlier I sent you a text because I watched a um, new movie by um, called One Night in Miami. Mm. And I was very dissatisfied after I watched the movie. <laughs> I almost wanted to stop watching the movie, um, but I didn't because I wanted to make sure that I could have a um, quantitative or qualitative or both quantitative and qualitative argument about why I dislike the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost, I feel like watching that movie, I I felt similar feelings that I felt after watching Spike Lee's version of Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. I was very um, dissatisfied with what I thought Spike did um, with um, the movie of Malcolm X while I understand a lot of people did like the movie but I think a lot of people were more I think a lot of people liked the movie more because of the role that Denzel played and I think that a lot of people liked the movie because of the lack of information that they had about who Malcolm X was mm-hmm. and who the Nation of Islam was right. so it was easy for you if, if you were not a red person or a seasoned person about that information about the history then you could easily like that movie. Mm. You know, and I think the same way about this movie. I think if you watch this movie, they had, um, there were four um, key players in this movie, and that was Jim Brown, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, Malcolm X, and Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And so when you watch that, I don't even know if all four of them even had a congenual relationship together. <laughs> what I do know, I know that Malcolm Malcolm and, and, and Ali did, but I don't, Sam Cooke and, and Jim Brown, I don't know that they all had that type of friendship. Mm-hmm. But if you watch that movie and based on your limited experience or knowledge or, or reading or reading history of um, of that, then you were going to be jaded by your experience mm-hmm. of what you saw in that movie. Mm-hmm. That is interesting, brother, because um, one of the things that we learn in philosophy is that um, there is something called mathematics. And the reason that um, mathematics became so prevalent that it's a worldwide phenomenon, um, a worldwide paradigm, is that um, you can see um, five lemons on the table and the reason that you know that there's five is because you counted them. 
and you can come back a hundred years from now and the lemons are gone. But even if you were from another part of uh, the earth, you would still be able to count whatever is left of those lemons and it's going to be something of an object and that object is five. That is part of counting and that is a fact or actual fact as um, we understand things from a physical world. Where we get into trouble is trying to speak in the abstract or speak in terms of um, thoughts. Now, when you get into thoughts, those are not something that can be counted. And there are some numbers in mathematics, and that's where mathematics had this big explosion and big confrontation with each other because they were unable to agree and they had to come up with theories and definitions for mathematics. And um, one of the things that threw them off was the fact that they now had to count a negative one, a negative two. This doesn't um, prepare your brain to count. This is beyond counting. And uh, I think it's the same way in our conversations. We want to be on the same page, but sometimes it's in another language or another higher form of mathematics. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. that's where we are at um, today. And uh, we're hopefully we're going to get to the point in this conversation and throughout um, our interactions and your interactions uh, as a listening audience, we want to get to the point where we are somehow using a mathematical um, denotation to come to some type of conclusion. Um, Unfortunately, in the field of psychology, conclusions can be a a bad thing, right? (laughs) Um, Well, it depends on how you're using the word conclusions, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So again, that, that, that the fact that I said that like that might seem academic, but I'm I'm just looking for definition, right? In terms of um, me being able to articulate what you were saying, <clears throat> so when you say conclusion could be a bad thing, um, okay. So, and and the reason why I am looking at it the way I'm looking at it is because so if you were to do a hypothesis, right, mm. right, meaning that you start off one way with an idea. Your research may show and prove yes or no, right? Mm-hmm. Based on based based on the research, so I don't know that conclusion is a bad thing because conclusion is actually the result of whatever it is that you explored, mm-hmm. right? So so I don't know if it's bad or good. It's just conclusion because mm-hmm. because your results might not actually substantiate whatever your hypothesis is, <laughs> right? Like, so whatever 
your initial thought is, you might do a research and the research might show something different. For example, I remember um, in my first political science class, um, well, not my first, but in my first summer school political science class, mm-hmm. I remember my professor asking me or asking the class, um, I think he asked, who made more money, um, men or women, or who graduated college more, men or women, or who made more money, mm-hmm. men or women? What I remember my response being was women to all, all of those. Mm-hmm. Women graduated college more, women made more made more money, you know, it was just women. But he challenged me and said, well, okay, if you, and, and he said, well, why do you think that? And so off the cuff, you know, without research, <laughs> I said, you know, from what I know, I know more, more women that graduated um, from high school. I know more women that went to college. I know more women that made, are making more money, right? <clears throat> And he said, well, if that's true, then, you know, by the next class period, I want you to go to the library and come come back and bring your research, mm-hmm. right? So I remember going to the library, and at the time, the library system, because you didn't have Google. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just Google this shit. You had to <laughs> physically go to the library and, and do your research. Yes, sir. <clears throat> so I, I went to the library, and I remember coming back, and what I found was um, the research research showed me that um, white men went to college, made more money, graduated at the top of the realm. Then there were white women um, that went to college, made more money. And then there were black men that went to college, you know, made more money. And that black women at that time were on the bottom of the totem pole. Now, remember, I started off by saying black women mm. because in my small, infinite world, that's that's all I knew. And so a lot of times in conversations, we are responding based on our small, infinite knowledge of what we are exposed to. Mm. But when we do the research, the research shows us something different. Mm. And so I was like, wow. So I came back to class and I was <clears throat> explaining what my research has shown. Now, <clears throat> that was in 1993, 1394. I'm sure those statistics have changed, mm-hmm. but that was, that was a, a statistic then. But <clears throat> it just goes to show that, you know, when we live in a bubble or, we, or when we're having um, circular or limited conversations based on our small groups of people that we interact with, mm-hmm. our level of intelligence um, are limited. Yes. Because we, we're only talking to a small group of people and the small group of people have a limited exposure of, of, of the world. Mm-hmm. And so what you think about the world and what they think about the world might not be bigger than your block, you know, on... Ralph Avenue or Gates Avenue, right. you know, or my limit um, exposure in terms of my particular small circle, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, 
so yeah, so so that's my perspective on that. Yes, sir. Um, we are at the twenty-four minute mark in the effing universe. One hour of black power thinking, and um, we have started off another podcast. And hopefully, we have a meeting of the minds. And uh, if we don't, we at least have a discussion um, that would somehow um, lead to that better mind uh, meeting of the minds that we hope to have one day in the future. And this is a future podcast in that respect. And some of the conversation that we have will be um, irrelevant or monotonous to some people. But um, it is in hopes that someday somebody would listen to this podcast and have a, um inclination towards reflecting back on the things that we've done as black people as a collective in terms of um, strengthening ourselves and our community. And on that note, brother, we'll be right back after these messages. When I come back, I'll let you know about my experience this week. And uh, let's retouch on the Michelle Obama um, and the... um, the movie evolving. that you saw, right, Michelle Obama evolving and uh, the movie that you saw. Let's get deep into those conversations. Okay, absolutely. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Peace. guest host, Dr. Moore. Welcome back, brother. Peace to God. Peace. Um, so this week, uh, today actually was kind of interesting as we opened the second segment <clears throat> of uh, three segments in one hour of Black Power Thinking. I had to pick my daughter up off the floor. Uh, I just seen her crying in the bathroom. Like, what the hell is going on? And she says to me that I'm, I'm your failure, and I failed you. As um, as um, parent, you've had certain expectations of me, and I failed you. I said, you haven't failed me. It's, the test was for myself. It wasn't for you. Um, just learn to love yourself. Um, you can't base your um, life on my expectations. You have to base it on um, how you want to live your life. And uh, we all need self-improvement. It's not a point of failure. It's a point of realizing that we need um, to constantly be evolving. 
which brought me back to what you were saying about Michelle Obama. But um, I'd be interested in your feedback on what I was witnessing. Wow. Um, I think that that's uh, powerful that you even wanted to self-disclose that. Yes, sir. I uh, didn't know what to do. That's why. Uh, particularly to the universe. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like um, it, because you've just self-disclosed that uh, to the universe, that <clears throat> you almost asking um, the universe for answers. Yes, sir. Um, for how to um, handle, I don't know, you, you know, I'm careful about the using the word resolve. Um, because I think that um, resolve is a um, a work in progress. Mm. Um, because I, I what I know is that we don't get to certain places in our life overnight. This this time, you know, that has taken place that has gotten us to where we are. Mm. So I know that it takes time for us to re- work on resolving those issues, um, but. Um, that's that's pain, uh, painful. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what what you just described um, on on, on both yeah. sides. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Was you, was you about to say something? No. <clears throat> yeah. So that that with you that was painful. Yeah, that that's that's painful on on both sides. Um, um, I, it it sounds like at some point, um, she felt like you had a particular expectation of her, mm-hmm. and she knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that she had not or felt like he had, she had not, um, lived up to that, right. um, and that was painful for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was painful for you to see that and, and witness that and experience that. Yes. Um, so that seems painful on 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 both sides. Um, I think what was encouraging um to some degree is that you 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 tried to take the blame away from her mm-hmm. and you put and you put it on yourself. But mm-hmm. I think um but I think where we want to be careful and where I want you to be careful is always taking the blame. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> that's not empower, empowering you. I think that you feel like sometimes it is, mm-hmm. um, but it's not, right? And so, um, but I think what would be helpful is is understanding or saying to her um, that it's, it's okay to make a mistake or it's okay to be wrong. It's okay for you to be wrong. It's okay for me to be wrong, but let's learn from whatever wrongness or whatever um, mistakes that we've made. Right. Right. And, and, and empower both of you guys at the same time to forgive one another for whatever it is that went wrong. Mm. Right. Not intentionally, but you know, unintentionally for whatever it was that that happened. 
but but forgiveness enough to be able to start over. Right. Right. And so I'll, I'll share an experience with, with, with you, with me, right? <clears throat> um, and this is self-disclosing like, like what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having some issues with my son at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Because I felt like um, if, if, if I was a dad that was home in my son's life, was a part of his life every day, that, this, that I could raise a child that wouldn't make mistakes or, you know, would be a good would be a good kid, right? <clears throat> and it wasn't that he wasn't being a good kid, I don't think, but he was making mistakes and, and he was doing things in school. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where I took him out of public school. My wife and I took him out of public school. We put him in private school. Mm-hmm. And even when he was in private school, he um, was still doing things like not doing his work, you know, not paying attention, you know, things like that. And I I could not understand it. Right. And and I didn't know another answer outside of physical punishment. Right. Like, let me just beat your butt. Right. But I realized that wasn't the right answer. Right. right. So one day I picked him up and he and I are going to the barbershop and I'm driving and I look over to him and I say, hey, um, I said, uh, so I said, hey, Khalil, I said, let me ask you a question, man. Um what do you think of me as a dad? Mm-hmm. And he was just like, I, you know, I don't know. At this point, he was like in seventh grade. right? Mm-hmm. And I said, <clears throat> what I want you to know is that you're my first son. I, you know, you know, I haven't ever had any other kids that I know about, right? Or that I have any kids. Mm-hmm. You're my first son. You're my firstborn. I said, and, you know, I've never had a father. So I don't necessarily know that I'm making all of the right decisions or have all the right answers to being a father, mm-hmm. right? And I said to him, I said, so I want you to know that I don't know all the answers. I am confused as to why you're making some of the decisions that you're making. But I want you to know that I am here for you for us to work it out together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying that to say that it's okay to understand that you didn't make every right decision according to whatever is right, right? Because mm-hmm. right is relative. But to say, hey, are you willing to, 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 to work it out together? And 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 if she's if she's there, you know, if, if she's willing to come there and say to you, Dad X Y and Z, then you have to be Dad to say, Hey, let's figure this out together, mm-hmm. and and be okay with not knowing the answer, but being okay with trying to figure it out. It's almost like the conversation that you and I have every weekend, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not like we have the answers to Black liberation. The black power thinking, you know, to any of that. But we're open to the conversation to say, hey, here's two black minds. Let's try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and here's, here's, here's a, a, a father and daughter that love one another. And I'm going to be here with you, baby, through whatever. Let's try mm-hmm. to figure it out. Yeah. 
I think um, what scared me was the um, the behavior, um, like she was giving up, and um, which, after consoling her, um, I, I felt helpless, and um, that was the um, thing that's still haunt, haunting me now. Just trying to be close and relevant to her, and I don't think that that's actually there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I spent the after consoling her, I spent the rest of the evening just trying to avoid her, or take her phone calls. I don't know if that's the answer. Um, Certainly not the answer. But um, she admitted later that she was drunk. And um, I kept telling her before, you have to get a therapist and work on your your issues because they're going to rise to the surface. And Mm -hmm. days like this is when all of the things that she pretends that she's stronger come out and um, that just puts when I look back on it 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 puts a mirror on my parenting and that's probably the monster that I I really don't want to see more than caring for her her well-being and I think that's why I avoided answering the phone after that uh, notwithstanding the um, realization that she was drunk but um, it just felt like overwhelming to me to try to deal with it and I didn't have the answers for it Well, I don't know that you would have had the answers if that was the case, if, if she was intoxicated. I don't know that you could have gave the right answer if that was the case. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you but you, you did say at some point that you physically saw her. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? Yes, sir. At that point, did she appear intoxicated? Yeah, she appeared intoxicated and... Um... Um, distraught, like um, uh, overwhelming uh, feeling of uh, sadness and um, crying uncontrollably. And she even fell on the ground, like trying to pick her up. But at that point, she wouldn't tell me what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then maybe. An hour later, she called me and told me that she's crying again, that she's a failure, and that um, none of the things that um, I had hoped for her to be, she's able to um, be. And so that was my day, brother. And um, hopefully... We will get to 
some type of um, understanding where she can move forward. Well, that's 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 that that's heavy, bro. That's that's heavy, mm. right? Um, and I don't know that I want to. <clears throat> um, I don't know that I want to diagnose it in in, in this um, podcast, but um, that sounds very serious. Um, and I would want you, you know, to probably look at this in a more um uh, more you know kind of like in a more in-depth situation mm-hmm. uh but but let me ask you this i mean is, is this a first time or is this something that has happened repeatedly uh, it's the first something... time i saw it and it was scary to me okay and um i know i'm not the only parent that has seen something like that and i just wanted to know if there's any consoling word that we can give the audience, not necessarily me or not necessarily a diagnosis, but um, what steps can we take when we um, see that? It, it almost sounds crisis, you know, intervention. Mm. Um, and I don't know that you're willing already at that point to do that. I am. And I, she's not. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what's key. Um she has she has to buy in. Mm. She she has she has to buy into um being at that point where um what we call you know ev- everybody has a bottom mm. and I don't know if this is what she may consider her bottom or not. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, when substance abuse is, is um, involved, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I have to want to be careful about um you know how you overextend in in that situation, and that you want a helpful person more than the person wants help for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's where you become. That's where codependency and all that stuff uh, starts to, you know, show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that. Um, you you might want to try to meet her where she is mm-hmm. and see if you can come up with a plan once she is willing to be sober. I don't know that, that there's much that you can do while she's not sober. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she's willing to meet with you when she's sober and willing to go to the next level, mm-hmm. um, I think that's what's going to be critical. Um <clears throat> Because if she's if she's drinking, then she's not thinking clearly. I don't right. know that you can you can get to her if she's drinking, and, and I don't know that there's anything you can say that's going to make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, if if she's drinking, <clears throat> that she's going to be able to um, adhere to. Um, but I, I would not give up on that. Um, I would definitely you know let her know that I love her. Um, you know that that, that you love her. 
and that you have the uh, best interests at heart for her um, and that you would want her to get help. And is that something she would be willing to do? She could she could tell you no right now, but let her know that, you know, if in the morning, if she's feeling different, that you will call her, um, you know, to see if she's feeling different and if there's something that you can do, um, you know, to, to help her in that situation. Yes, sir. I wanted to um, get back to this uh, movie. And uh, can you go into some of the details of um, what made you say that um, it was um, disturbing to watch? Well, it was disturbing to watch on a lot of levels for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the for the most part, you know, I really dislike the way they paint the Mason of Islam on the Bilaj Muhammad. Mm-hmm. That's always disturbing to me um you know and 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 then there was this particular point where they asked one of the um the details what the um what made you want to be a member of the nation uh, nation of islam and what's the difference between being a member of the nation of islam and being in a game i i you know there were little things like that that i saw in the movie and there were constant attacks to me, at the Nation of Islam, mm. and I and I I did not understand that, nor did I think it was warranted. It it, it was almost like, um, it, it it was almost like I don't know if if the sister is Christian and she just doesn't like members of the Nation of Islam, but it it but it was like, you know, this um, side way of tearing down the Nation of Islam. There was mm. nothing constructive, in my opinion, mm. that was positive about the Nation of Islam. Mm. There was this, there was these constant side attacks at the nation that really bothered me. I was like, you know, you know, and and then the relationship between Malcolm and and Martin, mm. you, you know, like that th- there was a side jab at the Minister Farrakhan. There was <laughs> constant jabs all throughout this thing that I kept watching. I'm like. <laughs> you know, I don't understand why that's necessary. Right. You know, and and and, and to me, it, it, it to me in my head, it was only to portray, you know, to the unlearned, you know, or the or the misinformed, you know, that this is the way that this is. Hmm. And that's what I was. That's what I was disliking because as I was watching it, as a person that I consider to be informed. Mm. I felt like it was misleading, right? Intentionally, intentionally, right. right? And and I was like, you know, so they, they constantly talk about not constantly, but they open up talking about the honorable the honorable Elijah Muhammad mm-hmm. having all these wives, you know, having all these children, you know, um, and and having them placed in all these different houses and like he was having sex with all these different teenagers mm-hmm. and impregnating them mm-hmm. and having children. And then it opened. This is how it opened up, right? For <laughs> for at least um, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And then and then with him having a conversation with Sister Betty, who they made extremely unattractive to me, <laughs> right? Um, and I felt like it was an, uh, intentional again. Mm-hmm. But um, 
you know, having a conversation with her about Minister Farrakhan, mm-hmm. you know, calling him Lewis X and saying, oh, well, did you have a conversation? Did you have the conversation with Lewis? Mm-hmm. And then saying, oh, Lewis recommended that I leave the Nation of Islam. You know, so it so it's this constant. It starts off with this misleading of information, mm-hmm. right? So if you don't know any better, you are outside listening, listening in or watching this. It's like, oh, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's how it happened, mm-hmm. right? So because you don't know, you you don't know anything else outside of what you're saying, and so then you're watching this, and so again, there's this conversation that leads up with that leads into. Um, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. Now, I don't know that if they ever all four had a relationship at all, but anyway, there's this constant dialogue about um, how um, we as black people should deal with social justice in America, mm-hmm. right? So Sam Cooke was this black guy who sold records and Malcolm was constantly attacking him for um, kind of like being a sellout, mm-hmm. right? And so all this stuff goes on, and, and, you know, and Jim Brown is giving this perspective and Muhammad Ali is giving this perspective, you know, and Malcolm X is giving this perspective. And then there's this argument that takes place with Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali that makes it seem like um, Malcolm X um, coerced Muhammad Ali into becoming a Muslim <laughs> and then selling him out, right? Because he's leaving the nation and then trying to convince him to come and join me and not the nation. And I was just like, <laughs> man, I, it, man, I was watching that crap. I was, I was like, <laughs> it, you know, it was so disgusting to watch, man. And I was like, you know, and the sister that did that, I mean, I, I you know, she's a sister from 227, I think. She's the one that um, produced this. Oh, yeah. But I was like, say it again? Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I, I was really like, after watching, I was like, man, I hate that she would do that. You know, I just felt really, I felt really disgusted by it. I was like. Regina King? Regina King. Wow. Hmm. And. You know, for anybody that doesn't know, you know, anything about any of those people, particularly about the relationship with Malcolm and 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 um, um, Ali, to watch that and to have a Regina King understanding or knowledge of Malcolm X's relationship with Ali, it's exhausting, bro. Indeed. And now, and now you're gonna have an argument with people based on Regina Regina King's perception. <laughs> I was like, man. That is troublesome. It, it, bro, it, was, it was disturbing, bro. Yes, it was disturbing. We are at the 25-minute mark in DF and Universe. One hour of black power thinking. Uh, we've touched on uh, uh, different parts of the universe. We're going to try to bring it all together in this last segment. Um... We'll be right back after these messages. I'll come back with solutions. And brother, you can give analysis because um, you don't want to be in the solution part. But um, 
<laughs> bro, I, I, bro, you know what? I, I, I want to do something different. I do want to um, talk solutions, yes, um, or, or at least engage in, in solutions. And I think uh, a lot of what I've done in, in the past, um, when, when, I, when I think that I went um, another way mm-hmm. um, or counter to what you said in terms of solutions, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to give the illusion that there isn't a solution. But I, I think that what I have historically tried to do is move away from easy solutions. Right. And, and, and I think that a lot of what I felt um, in our conversation is, you know, you asking me, bro, what's the solution for this? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's where it, it kind of... Um, disconnect happens. Yeah, yeah, because solution is not um, easy base for me. Mm-hmm. It's not one. It's not a one step thing, and then you get to boom. You know, um, you get to here because there's there's nothing that 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 we know about anybody that we know about that that happened overnight, right? Because we don't be, we don't believe in mystery gods, right? Or you know? so, solutions, <laughs> right? And the um, it, it's we have to be careful, like you said, that we try to make um, easy solution for complex problems. Absolutely. And on that note, we'll be right back after these messages. Peace. Back in the effing universe, one hour of black power thinking, and um, we touched on a lot of subjects tonight, um, some of them even personal. But now we want to see if we can at least tie them all together, uh, um, even though they're unrelated. I think um, that's how I figure out my solutions, at least mathematically. And um, that I look for a pattern, and then based on that pattern, I try to um, see what has uh, worked for me in the past. And that's what I meant by uh, solutions. We also have the analysis of uh, Dr. Moore. And um, you want to start, or should I? I? I guess we should have the analysis first. Um, on anything. It doesn't have to be particular to our earlier previous conversation. But um any type of um analysis on anything that you encountered this week? Um well I don't know about this week, but based on the conversation that we had tonight, mm-hmm. um I, I I think that um that whatever the situation is, running from it would not save you. Hmm. So you have to see it through. Um, I I think that what you want to do, particularly based on the conversation that we had, um, that was 
uh, you know, as relates to you and your daughter, um, you want to give unconditional positive um, regard for whatever it is that she's feeling. Mm. Um, not to the point where it's unproductive, but to the point where it is productive. She, she, um, she needs to know that you are a person that she can count on um, and be there for her, but not in an unproductive way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, letting her know that you have open arms, but while you have open arms, those open arms are, are, are open arms for change. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that that changes on both ends, mm-hmm. meaning that you you're willing to, you're willing you are going to change, mm-hmm. and she is willing to change, mm-hmm. so that so that you both can have a productive relationship. Yes, sir. You know, um, <clears throat> so you know, making her responsible for um, for her actions. You know, while you are holding yourself responsible for your actions. Hmm. Yes, sir. So, um, that's my analysis with with, with that. Indeed. Uh, uh, my analysis for the world <laughs> is, um, yeah, it's going to uh, hell in the um, fire basket. Uh, hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'm 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 optimistic, bro. I think that um, you know we have to be the change that we want to see, and I think that um, we ultimately, as American citizens, I don't know how you um how much you feel of that, but I think that we, I definitely see myself as a um, part of the American fiber. But I think that you know, a lot of times. A lot of times, I'm really careful about the word words that I'm using. But um, when you come from where we come from, right? Mm-hmm. You and I. When you come from where we come from, we come from some disenfranchised place, right? And it's easier for us to feel disenfranchised. But not only do we feel disenfranchised, but there's something comforting at some point in life where we um, not not only do we buy into it, but there's some comfort in in buying into it. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, it makes a lot of uh, sense. You know, we, we, we become, there's something, I think you and I have talked about this. Um, there's something in narrative therapy that talks about um, reauthoring your your script or your life script. Because what ends up happening a lot of times in life is that we end up um, with the scripts that life has given us or we end up with the scripts that people have told us about who we are. And when when we don't learn to reauthor those those scripts in life, then we live out those scripts. And so we have to be careful about the scripts in life that have been given us and how we need to reauthor those scripts. And when, and when we can't, or we haven't, or when we won't, 
reauthor the scripts in life that have been given us, then we end up living them out. Mm-hmm. And that that is problematic. Yes, sir. And and that's what therapy will do for you. Therapy will help you to change the perceptions, the scripts, the life scripts that life has given you or that people have given you or that you have given yourself. Because if, if, if you are believing that you can't be successful, if you're believing that you aren't a good person, if you're believing the things that life has taught you about Black people, about who you are as a male, who you are as a female, if those are the definitions that you're trying to live out or you're trying to live up to, then you are going to be paralyzed by that. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to be able to change. Hmm. Yes, sir. The um, thing that I saw um, and uh, reflect back on it from what you just said was the um, the category of um, scripting your life where we um, if we got a bad script it, it doesn't matter how good the actors are um, just on a professional level and something is unrelated as theatrics or theater but if you have a bad script you're going to not be able to do much with it even if you're a good actor um i think it's the same way in life if if we have a certain belief about ourselves and and that becomes our script as i've learned from our conversations together on this podcast that is going to limit your ability to change or be willing to change Uh, you will feel more so overwhelmed than you will feel empowered by um, a bad script Hmm. I think that I think what you what you just said is uh, empowering or I think it's powerful um and, and I think just that. Um, but I, I think what's more powerful is that you start to believe that you are powerless. Hmm. Right? So I, I, I get that it's overwhelming, right? So, I, I, and I'll say this, right? I feel like for me in life, um, the 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 power strip or the trigger mm. used to be it used to be oh nigga you ain't gonna do that <laughs> or nigga you can't do that <laughs> right mm. so that so so then the power became let me prove them wrong mm. right so but once you prove them wrong now it flips again. Hmm. Now the flip is okay. Now, if if you're this person, then let me see that you're truly this person. Hmm. So now the burden is to manifest what you have manifested. Hmm. 
right? So, so now if 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 someone says you can't graduate from high school, but you do, if someone says you can't go to college and you do, if someone says you can't graduate and you do, so now with all of these new accomplishments comes new responsibility. Hmm. And so sometimes what ends up happening, people would rather not accept the new responsibility and just accept the ideology of not being able to do it. Because it's easy to fall into that realm of people, of people doubting you. And then you manifest in their doubt. Hmm. Then man, manifesting that reality and now having to deal with that new responsibility. Hmm. Because now people say, oh, okay. I, I didn't believe, you know, I, I, I didn't believe you could knock that person out. Mm-hmm. So now if you can knock this person out, can you knock this person out? <laughs> so now if you are this successful person, can now you take care of the whole family? Mm-hmm. So now if you're this person, can you not only take care of your family, but take care of everybody else? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, what I always tell my kids is with, with, age, come, with age comes new responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's almost like success. With success comes new responsibility. Mm. That's why when you hear people like Puff Daddy um, and Biggie Smalls and, and, and Tupac talking about more money, more problems, that's what they're talking about. Right. Because, because the more you accomplish, the more there is to accomplish. And the mm. more people expect for you to accomplish. Mm. Because people start saying, you know, see, if you don't accomplish enough, nobody cares. Because nobody, nobody you know, nobody expects you to accomplish anything. Mm. But when you start accomplishing shit, then what people are not understanding is people are looking at the people that are accomplished as being more accomplished. Right. Now, now manifest that accomplishment. What 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 does your accomplishment mean? What does that mean to the community? What does that mean to the family? So people like P. Diddy start having a different responsibility because now people start saying, oh, what you doing for the culture? Hmm. You know, any black rapper, any black person, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether it's Oprah Winfrey, whoever it is, is saying, oh, okay, you got millions. Then why are we still poor? Hmm. You see what I'm saying? So now your accomplishments, there's a different demand on your accomplishments. And so you're being challenged, right? So, so people have a different expectation of you mm. based on whatever it is you accomplish, and so and now I'm talking about how people hold Michael Jordan, Oprah Winfrey, them. That's that's the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. P Diddy, that's the big thing. But be somebody in your family and become accomplished from a situation of poverty. Mm. That's what you're gonna get on that lower level. Because people in your in, in your community and where you come from are gonna start to say, "Oh, you think you better? Oh, w- 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 what you doing now? Oh, you forgot where you came from." <laughs> you know, and so you you're gonna start to get that coming coming from where you came from. So people from where you grew up, you know, and 
your your if you grew up in the hood, the hood wants you, you know, to pull up the hood. Hmm. And that that's where we get these um expectations. And they to tie it in or do my little basket weave into the next subject, it was the um impressions that are given particularly in media, but just in the suggestions that we're given by people, how they can really lessen your ability or effectiveness to uh, combat something that we all face, which is um, oppression and... um, Social lack of social justice and um, marginalization and um, just plain um, no reasoning or no understanding of how to achieve black power thinking. Um, When you mentioned the movie and how it's like purposely trying to mislead people how do you how does um one ingest or accept the things in that movie can determine the script that we write for ourselves and so um i i don't i don't know that the author of that movie is purposely purposely trying to mislead people right <laughs> I, but i but i think that the the author of the movie is subjective in in the storyline and the perspective that they want to get across. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> now, so I'm not saying that's bad, negative, or positive. I'm just saying that for me, when I watch it, that's what I see. Mm-hmm. Right? And I could be totally subjective in that. Um, but coming from a person who has read extensively about Malcolm X, you know, had a personal relationship with the Nation of Islam. Um, I know that what I saw is not accurate. Mm-hmm. But if you're a person that, you know, doesn't have that same exposure, then what you're seeing, you know, is is all you know. Mm-hmm. And so, if you leave that um, movie. And that's your perspective on Malcolm X and Malcolm X's relationship with um, with Sam Cooke or his relationship with um, Malcolm X or with Jim Brown is very jaded and limited. Mm. Yes, sir. And um, what's the last thing that we uh, spoke of um... Michelle Obama and the uh, what was the exact word you used? Evolving. Yeah. Um, I think that um, in order to evolve, you have to have the proper information. Going back to weaving this little basket of solutions (laughs) that I'm trying to do. um, You have to have the right script. If you have a bad (laughs) script, but how will you know it's a it's a bad script? Um, 
that's where we get back into the um, discussion of black power. If you look at us as a collective, you can, you should be able to tell that we're not doing too good on that report card as a collective. Individually, fine, we're doing great, impressive. But um, in terms of being able to have uh, political power that is independent of any party, that is independent of a need to um, uh, participate in this government, we don't have that type of power. And um, that is the type of power that Elijah Muhammad had uh, envisioned for not only the nation, but the um, associates of the nation, which would be us, no matter what our religious or uh, political or philosophical beliefs were, since we're not a, a mono, uh, um, what is the word? Mono. Monolithic. Right. Since we're not a monolithic um, entity, we don't all think alike as black people. But we need to be on the same page in terms of um, a collective power. And so. I think that's where we need to be evolving and um, trying to get out of the box that we we, we seal ourselves into. We, we seal ourselves into the envelope. Oh, I'm Muslim, I'm Christian, I'm this, I'm that. And then we can't get out of that box. And we wonder why, as a collective, we don't have the power that we should have to um, go beyond protesting, go beyond um, anything that can seem like a, a good thing on one hand, but overall the performance shows a different um, statistic. Okay, you want me to elaborate? Yes, sir. Okay, so um, I think we're um, we want to stay on course, but sometimes when we get off course, um, particularly when we start talking about topics like this, um, I'm a big believer in voting. Um, I think that voting um, is critical. I don't think that voting is the answer to be all, but I think that not voting is, is um, detrimental to the black community. Um, I, I, I think that if we're not going to vote, I think that that is problematic in and of itself. I think that that um, takes us out of the voice perspective of who is going to lead um, politically. So if you're not going to vote for your state attorney, um, your judges, your school board, you know, forget where we get to the top level of president, but I'm just talking about on the local level of governors, of judges, of, of, of your community leaders, your ANCs. If you're not voting on those levels, 
I, I just find that very difficult to be <laughs> effective um, as a community. If, if you're not holding any of these people responsible, you know, I, I just, I, I see that as, to me, I see it as fruitless. Um, you know, you're not going to vote on the very basic levels of community, the ANC person, the mayor, the governor, you know, the school board, you're not voting on that. God forbid you're not voting on, you know, the presidential level and all that other stuff. That's a problem to me. And and a person can't see the importance of that. You know, we we automatically are going to disagree. Um, I I don't disagree with voting and or, right? So um, while you're voting, still, you know, advocating for community activism. You know, whoever in the community is, is, is being an activist, I think support that person also. But I think that that person who is a community activist should be supporting the person that's running. And I think they should be working in coalition. Um, working in division is what we know historically has not worked. So I think that um, you know, as a community, community means everybody. You know, that means your local school board, that means your um, community activists, that, that, that means everybody. And to me, you know, feeling like one is better than the other or just doing one, I think that's what's counterproductive to me. That's what I think. Um, I think um, you, you talked about something um, in terms of uh, bad, well, I'll come at the bad scripts, but power. To me, that's what power is. Po- power to me in our community is everybody working together. Like, I want to know who my neighbor is. You know, I want my neighbor to know who I am. You know, I want, if someone comes into our community and, you know, that doesn't belong and does something that they, that they are not supposed to be doing, then I want us as a community to prosecute that person. I want us to work collectively. You know, community activists, you know, the um, local officials, the police officers, you know, the mayor, you know, the governor, you know, the ANC. I'm, 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 I'm with all of that. I'm not with just one or separating that. I'm with all that. Um, and to go back to your final point about what we talked about um, in terms of bad scripts and knowing what is a bad mm-hmm. script, um, I think bad scripts and knowing what is a bad script it's almost like a positive script. And what, what they teach us in psychology, particularly in TNA, which is transactional analysis, which has everything to do with the way that people communicate with one another. Um, bad, bad scripts is what leads to negative behavior. Bad, negative scripts is what people tell us bad or negative about ourselves. Positive scripts leads to positive things in life. And so in knowing what is a negative strip or bad strip is knowing what is manifesting in your life, mm-hmm. right? So if, if, if your life, if in your life, what is manifesting is negative things, 
then I think that there's a responsibility of you to understand that you have a bad script and that bad script is not working for you. Yeah. And to be able to say, you know what, let me take responsibility for, the, for this bad script and reauthor this bad script into something that should be positive and create a positive script. Yes, sir. Um, wanted to come back. Um, I gotta press this button and see why my screen went blank. But but the fact that I could still hear your voice means that the podcast is still continuing. But uh, if I get cut off, I'll call you right back, brother. Uh, no wonder. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I need I need a wake up call myself, brother. It's uh the twenty six minute mark in DF Universe. And um the reason my screen was blank is because I had the phone turned backwards. <laughs> okay. Um we um do you wanna come back for a bonus round? It is. Heck, I thought that I thought that was a bonus round. Uh, no, that was the last round of the uh, regular podcast. Um, it is four forty-four in the morning, ironically, and um, we have um, one more attempt at this um, meeting of the minds. When we come back. In DF and Universe. Peace. And we are back in DF and Universe. One hour of Black Power thinking. Um... A few random thoughts, brother. Um, Dr. Dre suffers a brain aneurysm, winds up in the ICU in Los Angeles County. On top of that um, disturbing news, he's also um, a tumultuous divorce. Him being a billionaire um and living in the in the state of California, he's gonna have to give up half that money um to his soon to be ex wife. Um she says that she signed a, a prenup prenuptial um agreement on the day of her wedding, so she signed a prenuptial on the um under duress, and that she wants $2 million a month in spousal support until the divorce is finalized and she can get her half of the money. Um, On top of his personal health issues and his public domestic life, or publicized domestic life, um, he's married to a Caucasian woman. Your thoughts? Um, 
Bro, I'll be honest with you. Uh... <laughs> That's what we expect here, brother. Honest. Yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, I I I I could turn up because it's almost like five o'clock in the morning. Um, but you know, at, at this point in my life, you know, <clears throat> color color matters more than 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 um, a color matters less than actions, right? Um, I, I think I'm at a place in my life where I understand where the Honorable Elijah Muhammad started um, with the white man being the devil and with not because of the color of his skin, but the content of his character. Right. So I, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that I'm at a place in my life where I understand <coughs> where that ideology was needed. Because it was needed at that time because the black man was so far down. He needed um, to understand who he was, where he was, and his, and his station in life, um, and who the white man was in his station in life. And I think that's important today to still understand that. But I think um, what's more important um, at, at this point in life is, is not dwelling on the color of a person's skin, but the, the content of the character. And that's the manifest that's the manifest manifestation of a devil to me. So um I don't really care what color a person is um that that you marry or that a person marries. I don't think that has anything to do with anything. Um but I do think it, it has everything to do with the content the content of their character. Whether you white, black or indifferent, um you know, to me, it's it's all about the, the content of your character and, and who who and what you're manifesting. So, I I don't care that a woman is white or black or whatever. Um, but you know, is that person? Because every black person, just because they're black, don't mean that that's a person for you. Um, even if you're white, doesn't mean that just because you marry a white person that that person is a person for you. But I think it it has everything to do with who you are, understanding who you are, and who and understanding who the person that you are engaging with is. That to me is what creates bliss and happiness. Um, I usually don't engage in frivolous conversation, but I do see an aspect of loss of black power in terms of uh, marrying this woman. Because you can love who the hell you want to love. Uh, God bless you. But um, what did we can't um, seem to think for Dr. Dre. But uh, at some point he it seemed like he had given up on black women. He was married to a black woman before. Um, but when he got to the higher echelon of success and um, notoriety, he, like um, several men in our community, chose to marry white. I, I think under the impression that things would be different. But um, there's nothing different about divorce there's nothing different about um, uh, 
waving a prenuptial to get $500 million. There seems to be nothing empowering about coming to that realization while you're laying up in the hospital in L.A. Yeah, so I I, I think we start to lose um, I, I think we start to lose a lot of credibility in terms of the conversation if we start talking about subjectively about what we think who a person should be with right, based on our personal which is why I didn't want to talk about who we should be with I'm saying is this a a negative point in terms of black power that Dr. Dre is going to have to share his wealth with someone well okay so um Okay, so as a black man, okay, um, ah, man, um, I want to be very careful about. Um, Indeed, we can actually skip this subject because I have more no, to talk about. <laughs> okay, okay, so so all right, so then I won't belabor it. I'll just <laughs> I'll just you know give my 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 input. Um, I don't know that I think that black power is all encompassing when it comes to just black people, because I don't think that all black people think alike. So when I think about black power, black power thinking, I know some white power. I know some white people that are more black power thinking than black people or black power. Hmm. Thinking. And, um, certainly. Um... His wife is not one of them. <laughs> His wife was not, but neither, but neither was, but neither was Clarence Thomas' wife. Of course not. And 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 she funded a number of the buses that came to D.C. Mm-hmm. that was a part of the riots. Mm-hmm. So here's a black man that has a that has a white wife mm-hmm. that, you know, supported this anarchy, mm-hmm. you know, in Washington D.C. on the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm saying I want to be very careful in trying to uh, alliance myself with people that are only black because they just because they the color of their skin right right so to me it's not empowering enough to say oh this person the color of their skin is black so I'm aligning myself with them right because that's not powerful to me and when you when we're using the, the terminology black power thinking then I want to make sure that we're not just you know um um, blindly saying black power thinking is people of color because I think that there are some white people that are black power thinking more than black people that are that 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 are black thinking or that are not black thinking I think uh, what we have here is a failure to communicate brother the um, the fact that um we um have an interracial marriage it's it's perfectly fine with me matter of fact they didn't need my approval in the first place or my opinion for that matter but i'm saying does it take away from the black points we are a team whether we like it or not um it's just like the um the new york knicks are a team whether they want to believe it or not the new york nets are a team 
Did we lose the game? When we lose not only Ice Cube, but we lose his wealth, at least a portion of his wealth in a situation like that. I don't think so, bro. That's all right? I wanted to know. And yeah, I, based I, on I, I don't that, think so. We will move on to the next question because we want to come back and revisit the uh, storming of the Capitol. And uh, we're at the 10 minute mark, so I'll try to get through the rest of these subjects as quick as possible. Um, now they have, um, and I was warning people, or at least I, I stopped warning people because um, my warning could be subjective like I was talking about uh, Regina King in this movie, even though she didn't do it intentionally, my warning could indeed be problematic more than a solution-based. But I I did think that during all of this COVID um, lockdown of the country and a lockdown of the world, really, because they enforced everybody staying in the house there had to be something finalized I don't even say that it was done during the pandemic lockdown but something was finalized in those um, critical three to six months where we were on lockdown across the world that um now that the people stormed the Capitol, there's facial recognition <laughs> in order to apprehend these motherfuckers from all over the United States. That may be seen as wonderful technology, but I guarantee you if they could use it so indiscriminately against white um, supporters of Trump that it can be used very badly against black people. Okay. You want me, you want me to respond to that? Yeah. You don't have to. But, um, I was just okay. thinking that um, they're able to find every um, not every I can be careful with those words. They're able to find the the the, the some of the critical um, leadership of those um, rioters that um, stormed the Capitol in D.C. based on facial recognition software, and there's no indication of where it came from. Where did this technology just bounce out of the air? Bro, have, have, have I jaded you from um, using uh, specific words? Or... Yeah, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I will not go there, brother. <laughs> no, sir. Not at five o'clock this morning, brother. <laughs> okay. I got to go to sleep soon. <laughs> And I prefer to be sooner than later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just noticed that you, you are particular now. I, I like using certain words, like 
This girl's going. He's gonna hold me accountable if I say all or, or you know. Yes, sir. Yeah. I play chess, okay. not checkers. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Okay. I know if I move this pawn here, game over. <laughs> I am definitely gonna hold you responsible for what you say, Brian. That is true. <laughs> don't take I, your I, hand I, off that piece. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't help it. Yes. Um. So my response to what you just said is it's similar to me to black people saying they ain't gonna take the vaccine. Hmm. Right. It's a scare. I, you know. Look. Okay, it's late, so I'm going to just use layman terms. <laughs> Look, Negro, I don't care if you take a vaccine or not. You're probably taking some other shit that you probably shouldn't be taking anyway, right? But you're talking about this vaccine like it's more detrimental than the shit you already probably take. Hmm. So, like the pork you know, already eat. Like the pork you already <laughs> eating, the weed you already smoking, the alcohol you already drinking. And now you're concerned about a vaccine. I, I can... I can say this for sure that if uh, white folks is gonna kill you, they wouldn't use this vaccine. They use the alcohol, the food that you eat, you know, or the shit that you smoke, and they probably use that a lot faster than they would this vaccine. Hmm. Um. The the point I was making though is not uh, a conspiracy of uh, us being killed, but the fact that technology to apprehend people that the government considers a threat is going to come back to haunt black people. Bro, let me tell you. Bro, let me say this. This is how I feel about the technology. If you and I are sitting on a podcast at 5 o'clock in the morning and you simply sitting back worried about some technology, if you got a cell phone, an iPhone, if you got a computer, if you got anything, Negro, you are not you, Brother Douglas. I want to be clear because sometimes it's kind of like I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the audience. 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 Negro. A Negroes. If you got an iPhone, if you got a cell phone, Negro, you are already tapped. Hmm. You know, it, 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 look, anything you said did, went, it's already recorded. Hmm. So if you worried about the, the technology, you you almost working backwards. Because hustling backwards. Right. So if you got Facebook, if you got Instagram, if you got Black Planet, whatever, you know, if, if you got a phone, iPhone or any phone, I don't care if it's Android, or iPhone or whatever, you already tracked. So I don't know if you think you hide or you think you 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 keep it away from the government. You know, good luck. I would, but you are even further to uh, not create create any criminal act. But um, we we have to be careful. We have to at least be cautious, though. Um. That. You could be as cautious as you want, but if you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, if you're on any of these, you know, uh, contemporary day 
um, technological platforms, you're trapped. Anybody, anybody can track you. Hmm. That is correct. Anybody. I mean, if you're looking for a job, the first thing they do is go to Facebook. They look at your profile. Hmm. You know, if you're on Indeed, if you're on LinkedIn, you on any of these platforms, you what do you you got to be crazy to think that you aren't trackable. You you own everything that is trackable. Hmm. But how did that translate into <clears throat> finding people in a crowd? There's a new technology out, Bruh, Yeah, but that's easy. But again, it's because you are on all those platforms. If you're on Facebook and Instagram, you that face technology is a part of Facebook. It's a part of Instagram. It's a part of LinkedIn. It's a part of all of that stuff. So it because when you go in, it's almost like um, what I do in counseling and therapy, right? When you come in to say that you want to do counseling and therapy, I'll sit down with you in, in the first session. First session, I'll talk about a, cons- a consent to conform. Right. Mm-hmm. In that consent to a form, I'm asking you, do you consent to X, Y, and Z? Facebook asks asked you the same thing. Mm. Instagram asks you the same thing. Mm. Link LinkedIn asks you the same thing. But not only do they ask you the same thing, they almost make it mandatory for them to be able to link your um profile and to be able to link all of your connections with them. They ask you. And if you don't say yes, don't even they don't even allow you to do it. Right. You can't even be on Facebook and certain social medias unless they can connect all your contacts. The first it's almost like the first question they ask is can we link all your all your contacts? Hmm. That's almost like the first question they ask. Yes, sir. We LinkedIn, face face Facebook, all that stuff asks you the same question. Yes, sir. We are at the 20-minute mark in DF Universe. Uh, this podcast is about to come to an end, but one last thing that we have to talk about before we leave tonight, brother. Um, your boy and my boy, our boy in the Oval Office has conceded Um. He's incited, incited, conceded, and um, apologized for all of his wrongdoing in one last ditch effort to um, try to um, clear his name. And um, he is, um, in spite of all of that, he's been indicted for not indicted, um, impeached for a second time by the United States of America. Okay. No comment. Well, I'm trying to understand the question. It wasn't Um, a question. It was, do you have any comments on that? I... I think that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was uh, 100% correct when he talked about 
the white man being the devil. And when he talked about the white man being the devil, he was not talking about the white man being the devil because of the color of his skin. He was talking about the white man being the devil because of the content of his character. I think Donald Trump is a manifestation of the devil. I think that the content of his character has manifested the devil. I think that what he has done um, throughout his last four years of being in office is he has repeatedly demonized anybody and a party that disagreed with him. And he has made that other party and anybody that disagreed with, with him. He has fired them and he has demonized every person and every group that disagreed with him as a opposition to the United States of America. And not only has he done that, but he has um, created an atmosphere and followers of people that would follow him to their dem- to, to, to their demise and his. It's almost like watching Jim Jones, you know, all over. Because these people have drank his Kool-Aid day after day after day. They have they, they have not done what, you know, you and I talk about in terms of holding one another accountable for what we say. And our resources are where we get what we say from. These people have just believed him over and over and over again. Mm. And so I I think that in my opinion, Donald Trump is a manifestation of a devil. And a devil is a person who has caused mischief and evil over the planet Earth. And Donald Trump has done that. Everywhere and every place that he has been on this planet. And so to me, I see Donald Trump as a manifestation of a modern day devil. I think that um, what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was asking us to do was not to um, individualize uh, the devil because to do that would suggest that um, it can be in someone sporadically. It's not um, as a collective what he wanted us to understand that Trump is not a monolith. Trump is America. He's not an individual. He is the collective consciousness of white people and that collective consciousness sometimes can be very not only anti-black but anti-government and anti-prosperity or inclusion or rights of human rights anti-human rights that is the collective that we have to fight against not Trump not um, Bain or whoever else, Pelosi or whoever else comes out of the woodworks. They are part of 
a collective effort to marginalize people and to have an elite class of people protected by the majority of white people. And that's what we saw in terms of the rioters. That wasn't just one rioter. It was a collective of rioters based on the same Trumpism, the same uh, McCarthyism, the same Reaganism, the same Bushism. All of these are the same. And no individual is the devil. It is the collective consciousness that we are pointing the finger at and saying, you devil, you are devilish. But um, I, I don't um, think it's meant to be pointed at an individual based on his character flaws. And he has character flaws, which um, manifest into the person he's become or is perceived by the whole nation. So that part I can agree upon. I just don't agree upon the part where he, Trump, is a devil. It's a collective effort. Okay. okay, and so and so, before we go off the beaten path, let's just be clear where we agree and disagree. Because I don't see Trump as a manifestation of the United States um, or as America. I do see him as an individual. And I do see <clears throat> the Trump followers as not um, a collective as Americans. I think that they represent a certain aspect of Americans, but I don't see them as representing um, America as a whole, and I surely don't see them as representing all white folks as a whole. You never said they were a whole. I said they were a collective. There's a difference. You can tell okay. who wins the fight by who gathers an, the, the the enough amount of points. You can't have two champions in one match. And I'm saying that the U.S. government is Trump. And they, they are Trump, not the individual, but Trump, the mentality. And that mentality rules the U.S. government. If it didn't, we wouldn't have slavery. We wouldn't have people's rights being taken away from them for no apparent reason other than something that they don't like. That isn't... Before Trump was born, this was going on. It continues when he dies. So that's where I said we don't want to get into the habit of pointing the finger at individuals when this is a collective that has continuously been and will continuously be devil. And that is what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad wanted the fall of America to be defined as the consciousness of devil to be defeated on every level. Okay. And so I think that's where, where, where I disagree. Um, and, and, and that's fine, but I just want to be clear for the audience listening or potential audience listening where we agree or disagree in, in that I don't see that like that. I understand if uh, I, I am articulating you correctly that you are saying that that's what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad um, perspective 
is. It's not my perspective. But if you're saying that was the perspective of Honorable Elijah Muhammad, then I understand that. I'm saying that that's not how I see the perspective of America. And I think that Your your mic went out, brother. Just now. Your your headphones are probably dead. That was getting very interesting. We had the thirty minute mark in DF and Universe, one hour black power thinking. We're just having some random thoughts at the end of another powerful discussion. Uh, we don't know exactly um, what the solution is to any of this, but the fact that we can have a discussion back and forth without um, trying to dismantle each other is the goal here in DF and Universe, One Hour Black Power Thinking. I want to thank you for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll get Brothers Mike back to working. It was probably just a dead battery. No real technical issue. But I want to thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow night, inshallah, with another hour of Black Power Thinking. Uh, If you'd like to... Join the conversation. You can call us at one three four seven seven five four seven four four zero and leave a message, a powerful message for us to uh, intake and maybe even discuss on air. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. Have a lovely evening and a great morning and a great day. Peace. Uh, I usually have uh, Dr. Moore to say a parting word, but uh, tonight we will end the podcast here. Very interesting discussion, brother. Maybe we can pick it up tomorrow. Peace to the universe. (laughs) 